This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon from our 2017 Palm Sunday services is by Father Brett Kroll. When I was a freshman in high school, I had a paper route with my little brother, and it was eight blocks away from where we lived, so every morning we rode our blocks, delivered the papers, and then came back, and our dog would tag along with us. On the way back, we'd always stop in the park because being half golden retriever, uh, that's my brother, not, or sorry, the dog, not, not my brother, um, he always wanted to stop in the park and chase the ducks and the geese that congregated by the lake that was there in the park. And every day it was the same sad ritual over and over again, pouncing into the flock of ducks and geese and them scattering in different directions and him chasing around for about 10 minutes and never catching anything. And my brother and I would stand and sigh and shrug our shoulders at the lofty aspirations of our pathetic little pet. He was never going to catch a duck. And then one day, it was our usual ritual. We had stopped by in the park after delivering the papers. And as he always does, he pounced right in the middle of the flock, and they scattered in all these different directions. But there was one dumb duck who was flying, but wasn't going straight up into the air. His altitude was about three feet, and he maintained that while he zigzagged as my dog was following him. And after about 30 feet, my dog leapt into the air, caught the, the duck in his jaws, and came back down with it in the middle of the air. I'm not even kidding you, this really happened. And my brother and I look at each other, jaws dropping. We, we just saw that, that actually happened. But that's not even the best part of the story. As soon as he had the duck in his jaws, my dog turned around, went straight up the middle of the street, prancing like a prince. <laughs> Prince's pony, I should say. Didn't stop to smell the bushes, didn't investigate squirrels, went straight home, sat in the garage on his haunches, still as stone. We got there and we were talking to each other and talking to our dog and he did not budge, he didn't move, he didn't even acknowledge us. So we said, well, what do we do? So we, we went to find my dad who had just gotten up and we said, dad, you gotta come see this. So my dad, still in his bathrobe, which might as well been a royal robe, steps into the garage. And I'm not even kidding you, my dog lays the duck down at his feet. <laughs> and if there had been any uh, confusion in our minds as to who was the boss prior to that moment, at least in the mind of our dog, we know who's the boss. I'm the dog, you're the master, I lay my duck at your feet. <laughs> the story of the triumphal entry is a story where both Jesus and the crowd have a similar clear sense of the authority that Jesus has. This story is an acted parable. Some of the parables were stories that Jesus told that told the people about the kingdom of God, but sometimes he would, in fact, act out the parable, and such is the case with the triumphal entry. So everything about this story is planned, it's purposeful, it's intentional. When he dials up Uber to, to get the donkey and the colt, he knows what he's doing because he's wanting to link this whole scene back to Zechariah who prophesied and said, your king will come to you riding on a donkey. Likewise, when the crowd is shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David, that's lifted from the Psalm 118, which is like their version of hail to the chief. It was the Psalm of royal entry. All of this, all of these elements to this scene were a theatrical way to demonstrate and to say very clearly one thing. For those who had eyes to see, the meaning of this story is Jesus is openly declaring himself to be king, and the crowds 
are welcoming this news gladly. Up to this point, he had been secretive. He didn't want everybody to know who he was, but now the secret is being lifted because the appointed time has come. You know, one thing you notice about Jesus when you read the Gospels, he has a clear sense of his authority. He knows who he is. There's no existential angst, no coming into his own story of a struggling young leader who finally hits his stride, as much as we're used to those kinds of stories. No, he knew who he was from the beginning. And throughout his ministry, his authority is demonstrated over and over again, now over the unclean spirits, now over the chaos of stormy waters, now over every illness and affliction, and even over death, as we read last week in the story of him raising Lazarus from the dead. And when he heals, he commands with a simple and straightforward authority. Like when he healed the deaf and mute man, he put his fingers in his ears and touched his tongue, and with two words, he said, be opened, and the man was healed. And the crowd saw it, and they rejoiced, and they said, who, who is this Jesus? He does all things well. The declaration of his authority on the day that he enters Jerusalem is so strong that the leaders come to him the next day, and they challenge him. They say, where do you come off marching into Jerusalem like a king, clearing out the temple of all the money changers, teaching in the temple courts, and letting the children sing Hosanna to the Son of David to you? And of course, the crowd is ecstatic because the real king had stepped into the room, like my dad, stepping into the garage. And the people, like my dog, knew just what to do, bow and gladly welcomed the kingly authority of Jesus over their lives. But you know what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't deny his authority. There's no false humility about him. He knows that he is the king, and yet as the king, he is completely humble. In the Zechariah prophecy, we read it closely. It says, Behold your king is coming to you humble. And in a few days, we're going to hear the story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And as John is writing that story, he, he prepares the reader for the story in this way. He says, Now Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to him into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, in, in essence, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Knowing these things, he rises from supper. He lays aside his outer garments, and he donned the servant's attire and washed the feet of his disciples. Sounds kind of like our Philippians reading from this morning, doesn't it? The washing of the disciples' feet is also a parable that is acted out. And at the end of it, Jesus says to his disciples, you call me Lord and teacher, for so I am. He doesn't deny his authority. But then he says, as your Lord and your teacher, I am also your servant. Now you do for each other as I have done for you. That's the kind of king I want to follow. If the, if the king is like that, then I don't mind just being a dog, laying my little duck at his feet. And you know, the incredible thing about all of this is that Jesus wants you to be just like him. 
He actually wants you to have that same clear, strong sense of spiritual authority infused with the humility that conquered the cross. Apart from the Holy Spirit, that is the definition of impossible. You and I have neither the authority nor the humility to be like Jesus on our own. But that's just the point because it's not your authority, it's Christ in you. It isn't your humility, it's Christ in you. So in the neighborhood or in the workplace, you have spiritual authority. And particularly for those who do not know Jesus, you are a spiritual authority in their lives. If they don't have Jesus, you have something that they don't have. It's not arrogant to accept that truth. Because again, it's not about you, it's Christ in you, it's His authority. And therefore, you have spiritual authority. You are a spiritual guide. That means you can have conversations around spiritual matters. You can pray for others in your neighborhood, in your workplace. And when the door is open, you can tell them about Jesus. You have that authority. You have something they don't have. Your humility will be evident when all the rest of the time, you are not clamoring for your own way and speaking the loudest or the longest, but you're actually listening first. When someone else has a great idea, you say, that's a great idea. When you make a mistake, you admit that to your coworkers. Your humility will be evident, but your spiritual authority is also there. In the home, especially with young children, it means that you expect that they will obey you, and you discipline them when they don't. You're the king. You're the queen, and you're also their servant. And that also means that when you do something you shouldn't do, you apologize to them. Humble authority in the home. What does it mean for us here in the church? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said that. And as he was preparing to ascend back into heaven after his, his death and resurrection, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go. I send you in my name and in my authority. The Holy Spirit wants to impart to us, the people of resurrection, that prayer of faith that will make the sick man well. The Holy Spirit wants us to exercise the authority of Jesus. The same things that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit wants to do through you and me in the name of Jesus. Maybe we don't know this. Maybe that's news for us. Or maybe we do know this, but we're afraid. I know I am. That verse, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that challenges me every time I read it. But I'm also challenged not to be afraid and to seek to understand what is the authority that God has given to me and has given to you by his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And I wonder if this week there will be an impartation, a deeper receiving of the authority of Jesus for many here who up to this point were unaware 
of the spiritual authority that is available to you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, then also believe that this authority has been given to you. And of course, be humble. It doesn't work any other way. If you desire your own gain, your own recognition and honor, your own interests, if you insist on your own way, if you want to be first, His authority will have no place in your life. But if you have in yourselves the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who though He was God, did not use that to His own advantage, but instead He emptied Himself of all the privileges of being God and became a servant, not seeking His own will, but obeying even to the point of giving up His life. If you seek the humility of Jesus, you will receive the authority of Jesus. I want more of both, don't you? The Holy Spirit wants to do great things in our midst. So let us humble ourselves before God and before one another. And let's ask King Jesus to be present with us in his power and in his authority this week. And let's wait upon him with expectant hearts. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.